that is the Gold Cup hero. Two of the most admirable chasers you could possibly wish to see. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Race Hour brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. It's myself, Dean Ryan, in the towers of bookmakers.co.uk. Uh, Dermot Nolan is here. I am, most certainly. Good man. Uh, Paddy Aspel is also here. How are we, lads? All good, all good. Happy New Year to you both and uh, to all our listeners. It's been a little while since we did this podcast, but the rumours are not true. Uh, we haven't joined the war of the podcast. We have not all fallen out. No WhatsApp history has been exchanged. And uh, believe it or not, there's been no resignation. So we're in good place, I think. We're in a great place. Great. Paddy, you didn't quit. Dermo, you're still here. And I think there's still other guests, um, hopefully, uh, to come throughout the year. We're looking forward to a big year on the race hour. Yeah, the purge of the podcast. Yeah, well, World War Three is yeah. uh, on the horizon as well. But, yeah, no, I mean, this is actually my favourite, my favourite few weeks of the race hour podcast always because we have uh, a different race at the Cheltenham Festival each yeah. week. And last year, you know, there was Espar Dallin and Alvin Foda, and we unearthed a good few there and then. So hopefully, now we can do the, uh, the very same this year. Dude. Yeah, well, the focus slightly changes now on the race hour as we come through January and February on our way to Cheltenham. People remember from last year that we became very Cheltenham centred. It's not going to change too much. We nope. will still uh, look back at eye catches and previous weekends racing. We will still look at weekend racing ahead as well on the podcast. But then we will try and mix it up with a bit of Cheltenham focus in terms of anti-post betting. Um, what might happen is that you know if we do this uh, in in years to come, that we'll end up with a six or seven day festival, and we'll never have any clue, and we'll probably have to cancel yeah. all that stuff. But we'll come to that bit uh, later on. Let's talk a little bit about Christmas because, as I say, we haven't been on uh, since before all the big Christmas racing. Um, some of the eye catchers, well, probably just let's just talk about some of the winners that went and got it done. I might start with the King George, Clanders uh, Oba winning the King George again. I don't think any of us put him on that uh, on that pedestal. We all thought he perhaps didn't win the strongest King George year before. This one looks stronger, and he still won. Demo. He won. Uh, you you only respect him, but again, I think he uh, he was the best horse on the day, obviously. Uh, but I think uh, surname's jumping was was not his jumping, but he was too he was, he seemed over the top to me. I think that race against Altior took an awful lot out of him. Seems to have taken a lot out of Altior as well. Yeah, because, you know, yeah. like like the two of them clearly haven't been right after it. I wasn't happy with surname. Um, obviously, I was on Lost in Translation, but I happened to just be I tracked surname the whole way around. Um, and you, you just wouldn't have been happy with him from the, the word from the second fence. He was just, he just didn't look happy. Harry Cobden was really, had to roast him into a few of them. So it was a kind of a race where you look at it and you go, the winner is very good. Um, he's a really lovely horse. Paddy Aspel was the one that was saying pre-Christmas that it wasn't as straightforward a choice. It turns out Correct. that Harry, yeah. Harry Cobden got it wrong. But lost in translation, that's not his running. You know, the, clearly he went for a breeding operation straight away afterwards something has gone wrong there um all happened a bit quickly for him anyway um but it was just one of those things and Clanda Zobo was a very worthy winner but form I'd be very quick to forget to be honest but potentially so I mean Paddy you did say that it wasn't actually a penalty kick of a decision um for Harry Cobden and it's a great day for Sam Twist and Davis to go and win a King George on Clanda Zobo and you know Paul Nichols gonna have both horses exactly where he wants them for a race like that perhaps surname didn't just get home and Harry Cobden unfortunately you know when you get to the echelons that he's got to in racing and you have these choices to make it used to be a Ruby Walsh issue it used to be a Tony McCoy issue now it's kind of a Paul Townend issue maybe um Dickie Johnson 
Anderson. Um, he he's got this one wrong, but you know he he did win it the year before. It was it was a cracking race, Paddy. Yeah, it really was. <clears throat> I mean, I, I bet it was just a horrible decision for for Harry really, and I think obviously when figures come into it people would have really knocked him, I think, for, for going against surname. So I think really his hand was up behind his back a little bit, really. Um, but, you know, we all know that the winner, that is his bag. It's flat tracks, rolling along. You know, he jumps very well. He's a big, strong, massive horse. So, yeah, it was a horrible decision, and uh, I'm sure it was one he was always pretty sure could well bite him in the backside. And unfortunately, it did, but I don't really think he got it drastically wrong in the fact that he just picked the wrong one on the day. I do think that his own horse didn't run nowhere near up to form. Yeah. Like Dermot said, his jumping wasn't just on point. And the thing is, when he was passed and beaten, he really backed out of it pretty quickly, like a horse who, you know, just wasn't quite right. And, you know, I, I think, to be honest, there was only one horse on the day performed, and that was the winner because, you know, the Tizard horse completely bombed out. Um, you know, it, it was just a one-horse race at the end. But, look, th that's racing, and unfortunately for Harry Cobden, he can only ride one, and you, th they're nice choices to have to make in a way, but unfortunately he came out the wrong end of it. Yeah, it's part and parcel of success, as I was, you know, alluding to with, with Harry Cobden. He's going to have more decisions like that to make as he goes through his career, and he's going to learn, you know, you can't get it, and they're not machines. One turns up, one doesn't turn up. There's not a lot you can do about it. I still thought Surname ran a big race, and perhaps that just that battle with Altior, although it looked cosy enough at the time that he was able to potentially, you know, maybe outstay and maybe outjump Altior on that day, and probably, you know, left a little mark, and that can happen because it was two very good racehorses against each other. Uh, we'll talk about what we might take forward to a gold cup later on in the podcast because we are going to talk about the gold cup towards the end um so we'll talk about the lights of lost in translation surname and clan again uh, when we get there let's talk about a uh, champion hurdle horse that sprang now to the top of the market and um, actually beating a slightly more fancied one certainly in the build-up to the race when we spoke about it on the race hour podcast and that was epitante um winning over christmas and is now favorite for the champion hurdle demo this market is up in the air it seems to have a new favorite um i don't know if i want to live in a world where epitante's favorite for the champion hurdle at this stage of season even though you know i would have fancied it pick up a nice handicap <laughs> i can't believe it to be honest with you i can't believe that this is where we are uh with this market like it's incredible five to two favorites um epitant she was brilliant she was back like she wasn't gonna be beaten as well barry garrity rode her like again that she was uh he was riding faheen and um, you just kind of watch the race going, God, she is very, very good. But again, we have to stop asking ourselves the question, what are they beating? Because there's nothing in the, the division. So that form, we could well end up with a situation in March where that form is good enough to win the champion hurdle. Because we, we give out about the two-mile chasing division an awful lot. But the champion hurdles have been rather, horses are kind of falling in the last few years as well. There's only one horse who seems to kind of streak away with it, really. Um, Boover there won for two years. A lot of people still aren't convinced that he's a, a top-class animal. I am, obviously. Um, Espar Dallin won, but everything else seemed to just kind of fall away. And now this year again, JP McManus just might be in the right place at the right time with a, another horse that just kind of might just fall in because Nicky Henderson's horses, none of them look good enough. Um, and the more, the more you go through it, classical dream he he blew his head off again over christmas and mm. you're just kind of wondering to yourself you know what is there actually in the market but it's a division that i'm just going to stay away from 
for the time being and just see what might crop up in the next few weeks maybe I'm still playing the classical dream dream but I can't um, I can't base it on you can't vindicate it I struggle to um, he's a spring horse yeah. <laughs> maybe um, Paddy I mean it was it was a taking performance and that and that champion hurdle pitcher gets you know muddier as, as we go along um, but I guess she she is fair entitled to be at the top of it yeah I think so um, I mean last year I just thought obviously the only blip really is you know our festival run where she did go off favourite um, for the the mayor's novice but I mean, she was desperately disappointing prior to that. She had always just had this um, England to over-race and just do a bit too much. But I think she has mentally summered very well. And I just think we've got a different mare this time around because, you know, on each occasion that we have seen her since she's reappeared, she's been much, much different, much calmer, looks a lot easier to ride, a lot more straightforward. And, I mean, that came to performance the other day. I know old Silver Streak, he is capable of a very big performance on his day. So you can't really say he's a bit of a back number, but she really quickened up and left him from the back of the last in, in the Christmas hurdle. I thought she was very good, and she does deserve her, her, her place at the, at the head of affairs at the minute. But I suppose we've just got to sort of sort through them and, and see maybe what's going to turn up on the day, really. But I suppose at the minute, around about 7-2, to two, she, she probably just does edge it. But it certainly just wouldn't have you... Um, jumping out of your seat with excitement, the champion hurdle picture at the minute, would it? No, I think it needs it needs a couple of stellar performances from one or two others to set up at least a three way go. Um, and you know maybe Epitante or Epitante comes out and does something similar again, and then she'll only shorten. Um, we're gonna we're gonna find out, and that's why I think Cheltenham at the moment, if you look across the markets, across the whole uh, picture, there aren't too many standout favourites, even for the big championship races. So uh, that's got to be a positive thing from a punter's point of view. There is some value to be found there. Try and find it though. Uh, that's the tricky part. Uh, let's talk about a few Irish horses. Uh, Dem, I might let you roll away with uh, Battle Over Doyen and uh, Abacadabra. Yeah, so Abercadabras was obviously outstanding, but we didn't get we didn't get the the question really answered in regards to him. Um, I think that he Blue Sari just didn't run any sort of a race, fell away far too quickly for for that to be the form. Um, but still, Abercadabra is a horse that travels supremely well, and um, as far as the supreme goes, I haven't found another horse yet that I think is as good as him. Um, I think he is the supreme horse at the moment, unless they go back with him by Allen. Um, as good as the uh, the Tizard novices are, they're, Master they're, Debonair looks decent. Yeah, but it was you know, on the, real background fiddler on the roof looks as well. Decent, but yeah. that, Abigail to me looks like the kind of a horse that on, on good ground he'll just he could just skip away from them. Were it to be good, but there's absolutely no guarantee on that. Obviously, um, and the other one is Battle Over Dying, who um, I've been saying all season is my RSA horse. Um, I will obviously be looking for something bigger as well in the market as time goes on but I'm very happy with my position in that market I think he's absolutely excellent um, the horse that he beat is going is the favourite for the four mile or, the, or sorry a three mile sixer and um, we'll take an awful lot of beating in that as well Champagne Classic but Battle Over Dying his jumping is so smooth he showed a bit of a, a turn of pace as well he's done an awful lot more than anything else now in the market experience wise um, and Champ fell again or sorry fell and Champ just to me as big as his engine was and he, he was actually kind of impressing me the most that he has done so far before that fall he just looks a big dope and it's uh, I just think Balover Dying is just at this juncture is a better horse than him yeah so like I think as far as the Sheldon markets goes we have really a lot of them have been shaped but 
Abacadabra and Battle Over Dying for me are the two to really take out at Christmas. Sure, sure, I can see that. Paddy, I might ask you about some of the other ones. I mean, let's include Champ in this conversation because um, when he was running in the UK, I thought he got very low for Barry a couple of times and it seems like almost like the concentration just switched off at the end to bring about the four. Yeah, I think, you know, Ted Walsh, always, he, he does sum it up right with some horses. They just aren't as clever as others. And I think Champ fits that bill because, you know, going down to the last, he, he wasn't good at Newbury um, when he'd won the time before, but there was excuses there because he did get messed around early and he, he'd done enough wrong and still won. And he pulled it out of the fire a little bit. But the other day, I thought he'd done plenty right. and There was no real need for him to do that going to the last. I know... People were mentioning about Barry looking around, but it's not like he did it two strides away from the fence that, and he's made Champ do that. Sure. You know, he he had a hold of his head. You know, people used to knock Ruby all the time about horses fall at the last, but I think you will see far more horses fall by a jockey being too decisive and, and, and therefore decking a horse. I think if you sit there and a horse falls, you can't accuse a jockey of decking a horse uh, because he hasn't done anything. You've sat there. Mm-hmm. The horse does the jumper, not the jockey. Um, and he literally completely lost concentration and the first thing to hit the fence was his chest and it was a really silly mistake um, and he's ended up on the floor I just think he isn't a complete natural um, he he did look better the other day but then he went and did that when, when he looked like he had all the hard work done yeah. for, me, for me I couldn't I couldn't have him simply because of that trait that's in him because he, you know, he, you really can't miss a beat on on the on the big massive days um, come March, and he he's just let me down once or twice too often now with, with his with his lack of concentration, and I think over fences in at the deep end, he's gotten away with it over hurdles. It's it's surely gonna it's gonna make him come up short. So I couldn't have him to be honest. Completely agree with you, and I think it's something that I picked up on the first time I seen him jump that I just thought that the landing gear was coming down a little bit slow he kind of over pitches a bit and then he gets very low so you do take a chance so you've got an engine on your side because if he did get round at Cheltenham and made no big mistakes he is hard to beat in any race he comes oh yeah, in. yeah. proper like, engineer yeah. there's, there's no doubt about that and he's, he's full of class but maybe just a bit dozy and that's something that you know not going to help you Certainly it's something as well Dean that that's because yeah. I took a proper hiding for this but he's he's not getting better either as in he's getting more dozy sure it seems now it might just be a simple case Keith Dunhu has said it in his pieces where a horse sometimes a fall is the best thing for them because it mm. kind of cops them on a bit we'll find out next if time. that happens that's great but yeah. if he does this again the next time um, any semblance of it mm. you'd have to take him on all day long at 7-2 for an hour's day well one thing for sure they're definitely going to race again because they won't go to Cheltenham off the back of that so yeah, providing he's all A1 uh, they will race again uh, let's talk about a couple of Irish ones um, that I also wanted to pick up on uh, the likes of Forheen and Notebook because when we did the podcast pre-Christmas I think David Weldon said that Notebook wasn't a was a big player in uh, in Fakir de Dairy's race and so it proved and it probably we didn't give Notebook enough time perhaps to, to discuss because we're all on the Fakir de Dairy's train and uh, the Samco train and Samco's train went wrong Fakir de Dairy's train well, ran well but got beaten by a nice horse in Notebook and Forheen is there I mean Paddy you must have watched these races um I might start with Forheen. I mean, where do you start with Forheen? Horse of the decade, ending the decade, as good as he started it by winning another grade one. Yeah, unbelievable. And I mean, I just can't get over, you know, a horse of his years and to say he's been hurdling this long, the amount of exuberance he puts into jumping fences. Like, yeah. I, I honestly thought it was just going to be for him, you know, a horse who's had issues as well. All he'd want to do is get from A to B. Obviously, the engine is there and he'll get the job done. But I can't believe that the scope he shows over a fence and, 
you know, so he he's obviously got a real relish just for racing this horse, and it's incredible to see. It's great. Um, but to echo your thoughts about Notebook, I mean, that day, at, I had actually read that quote. Uh, did you say it was Dave Weldon? Yeah, Dave, on, on here, like, he was saying that, yeah. you know, Notebook was an absolute player in it, and everyone should stop talking about the other ones. Uh, and he was right. Yeah, and because I mean, he said it was more so that maybe people were, were knocking him on his on what he'd achieved yeah. over hurdles. But, yeah. I mean, like, at Leopardstown, I really, really fancied him. But I just thought, God, from what we've seen of Fakir to try and give him weight um, was going to take a hell of a performance. So I passed him over, but fair play on the day, incredible performance because I thought Joseph's horse, he ran his race um, and, and a notebook beat him and gave him weight. I thought it was an incredible performance. Yeah, Tim, I mean, you must have been impressed with notebook. I think all eyes were on the second and uh, maybe not if you've had a bet on notebook. I mean, in hindsight, it's a cracking bet. <laughs> In hindsight, absolutely crack and bet. Um, the thing is, is that the, the price is still very fair. Like, Fakir Duderi is too close now to him in the market because Notebook has given him weight now and the beating. Uh, I did think Mark Walsh, as much as he's been really the jockey of the year, I thought last year he was just outstanding all season. But I thought he did give Notebook a bit too much rope. I don't know whether he was like us a small but underestimated the horse yeah. as well. Yeah. It also has to be factored in that Henry de Roma's horses uh, seem to run about 10... St- 10 pounds above themselves all of them um, he had an absolutely brilliant Christmas yeah. uh, but still it's um, it's another horse that is just reaching the absolute top of his game and he'll keep improving and because he's with the Henry de Bromhead stable he might just just stay at a back of a price on the day because really you have to mark him up now for the fact that he doesn't have to give Fakir Duderi weight this year now so mm-hmm. it's a absolutely cracking performance mm-hmm. okay one more race before we uh, do move on, and maybe we will talk about Fiddler on the Roof who won at the weekend, and of course, Amvoy Allen, um, was the um, the big run from Mona Lee, but getting beat by Delta Work in a race where probably both of those horses were a little bit discarded, um, the Savills, which was an absolute cracking race. Whether it's thrown up a Gold Cup winner in Delta Work, I don't know, but surely he's back in the picture. Has to be back in the picture because again, the Gold Cup is also a bit of a fumbling mess at the moment as well I mean Alvin Foda came out over Christmas and was uh, was very good didn't beat much but he didn't have to we know he's alive we know that this route suits him so he's the 4-1 to one favourite now and that is completely fair enough but Delta Work it was everything that the, the yard have been saying they were saying that this horse needs to have um, a pace to aim at because he's a bit lazy um, and he really rattled home late Monley has done this in the past in this race he, he definitely won't see out a Gold Cup trip but they're putting him away for the Gold Cup now some ride by Rachel wasn't it when the, uh, when uh, the Irons came out and still still found a way to get the horse brilliant to ride and yeah. he's a real honest um, horse he just yeah. doesn't quite uh, it's not that he doesn't stay it's just he doesn't stay as well as other horses do um, and he's ran a blind there but Delta Work has to be part of that Gold Cup picture and people were far too quick to write off that RSA from last season as as being uh, crap all of a sudden, despite the fact that we hadn't seen an awful lot of them. Mm. Delta Work had only flopped once mm. in a race that just wasn't ran to suit him. So it's great to see that happen because it backs up my Gold Cup fancy, which we will discuss later on. Kind of does. We will come on to that. Um, I will give a shout out to the big city bank and Noel Hayes, who did put up quite a convincing case with Delta Work before the race, which I'd read and dismissed. Yeah, um, same as that. <laughs> quite incorrectly. So well done to him. All right. Um, M4 Allen won at the weekend as expected. Uh, I think that just enhanced the um, idea that it will go for the Ballymore demo. 100%. Uh, people cribbed this form for some reason, which I... I, I, I you can crib it. It was good. Like, I don't understand. Yeah. I, 
at all uh, they want him to go away and win by 10-15 lengths that's just not the kind of horse that he is even last year in the champion bumper Jamie Codd said afterwards that he could have went around again he just needs to he seems to really want to have a horse beside him um, and then he goes on and wins snug enough Davy Russell hadn't done anything with him um, he's beaten a very good horse there uh, so like that horse in second elixir Danae I think that horse could go very well in a supreme as yeah, well yeah. Um, I think he could end up being a big price for something I hope they don't go to the Ballymore with him I hope they go supreme go from the front like they did and they might catch them out with that horse um, he's an interesting bet in that actually but and by Allen is streets clear of anything else I've seen this season yeah, and I think he will He'll continue to be so. He does look the, the shining light going into Cheltenham. If you had to hang your hat on just one horse, that's probably where you'd go. Um, Paddy, I'm going to ask you about one more horse before we do uh, take a break here on the Race Hour podcast. And that was Fiddler on the Roof, who who won a Tollworth there at the weekend. He looks a proper stamp of a horse. Yeah, that was a real, real good performance at Sandown. And I think the one thing that really stood out for me was, you know, conditions on the day were really taking their toll, even... You know, especially up the straight over them hurdles, the sun was in their eyes, there was a lot of horses sort of guessing at hurdles. And, you know, the, there was just sort of plenty to overcome. Um, now, in fairness, Fitter on the roof, he gave weight to the second of Gavin Cromwell's. But mm. just when you watch him, you, you just think, God, he, 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 this horse, he's really wasting his time jumping hurdles, isn't he? Because he's just such yeah. a strong horse. <laughs> you could definitely you see know? that. And he's so big. He looks so big. He was dwarfing them, I thought, beforehand. I thought Gavin Cromwell's horse actually was given a really nice ride to kind of pick up the pieces in behind that Jeremy's Flame, was it? Yeah, Jeremy's Flame. And, I mean, the thing is, the, the, they've they've played a blinder with Jeremy's Flame because, you know, they've picked up a lovely bit of black type and that's how they rode her. Um, you know, on, on paper, the form looks absolutely fantastic, but Fiddler on the Roof, he's absolutely bolted up and I say conditions on the day that weren't really uh, ideal for horses to pick up from the back of the last and quicken, but he's a big, strong lad, this. And I mean, I'd say Colin Tizard, I, I, I can fairly guarantee that this chap will, will, will pop a fence before his, his summer holidays because mm. I'd say they're absolutely rubbing their hands at, at the thought of getting him going over a fence next week but yeah he's, he's got a feral engine this chap interesting time of it actually for Tizard with his novices because Master Debonair as we picked up earlier was also um, very good in uh, well I guess on the road to Cheltenham and they're going to make some decisions who do they go and take on I don't think anyone's going to be wanting to take on them for Ireland uh, no doubt Colin Tizard won't be scared of one horse but at the same time um, he's got to split up a few uh, decent animals and likes a time hill as well with Hobbs there is some strength on the on the UK side of the water so uh, we will see where they all line up we're going to take a break now unless anyone else has anything to discuss on here um, what we will pick up on the second half of the show is uh, whether we need a four or five day festival um, some of that scandal over Altior's uh, disappearance from this weekend's racing some of the weekend preview we'll do and then we'll be talking about the Cheltenham anti-post market for the Gold Cup You're listening to the Race Hour podcast brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk Check out bookmakers.co.uk each and every day for tips, news and the best odds for horse racing Looking for a new bookmaker and the best sign-up offers in the industry? You'll find that at bookmakers.co.uk, sponsors of the Race Hour.
Okay, welcome back to the race hour brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. It's myself, Dean Ryan, Paddy Aspel, and Dermot Nolan. On this half of the show, we're going to have a look at some of the weekend racing ahead. Now, it's not the strongest weekend racing cards, and uh, also been made a little bit weaker uh, by a couple of high profile defections. We will talk about them as we kick through them. Um, why don't we kick off with, you know, the, we'll do the TV stuff, chaps. So uh, we'll kick off with Warwick and their three mile um, novice chase at 150 on Saturday. Highest sum for Colin Tizard currently tops the market here. Uh, David Bridgewater's interesting runner. Uh, the conditional is in the field. Uh, it's around, it's kind of four to one bar those top two. I don't know if we have any fancies for it at this early stage. I can see a couple of them dropped up. Ardle then is dropped up for Harry Skelton with Dan. And um, Kim Bailey and David Bass will be responsible for two for gold. So there's two that look like they will show up. Yeah, the conditional will probably looks like um, he'll end up in the classic chase. Yeah. Um, is where you'd imagine he'd go unless they wanted to pick up something a small bit easier here. Uh, but you'd imagine he'd be a shorter price now if he was running here. Um, Ardleton is the one that I am I'm quite interested in. Uh, this, this horse has carried through some decent form, like beating Liz and the Oscar this season, second to Sam Spinner and third to Danny Wisbang. Meets absolutely nothing like that in this race. Um, highest Sun is a good horse, but wouldn't be anything that, that you'd be, be getting overly excited about. So... As much as the rest of the field, it just doesn't excite me at all. I think Ardleton is the one who carries in the best form and therefore is the best betting. Okay. Uh, Paddy, any thoughts on this? Yeah, I, thought, I mean, highest son, it was, it was a match race, wasn't it? Plumped in the last day and look, he got the job done. But prior to that, he was second behind the horse of Nicky's Pim, who's had a very, very good year. He's only three lengths behind him. And, you know, four and a quarter lengths behind Champ when he won at Newbury back in November. So yeah. he hasn't really done an awful lot wrong, albeit in, in small fields. But, you know, at least he has got a fair bit of high-level chasing experience now. And he's jumped around a couple of pretty decent tracks. But I thought uh, Kim Bailey's horse, two for golds, he won 34 days ago at Kelso. Now, I mean, he... Ha on, on all figures he had to win and he actually won at a time when I thought the yard were just struggling to get one's head in front um, so that could be maybe sort of um, boosted a little bit but you know it's another one he, he's probably going to be the pace angle of the race and we've got to see who turns up because the conditional he's got another entry as well but he's a very very tough horse maybe probably better off um, in a handicapped condition, but still, it's not a bad little event. This no, some decent horses in here. Um, the one I thought might be interesting is what more if you're going to take a double figure price right now because Henry Daly's horses, when they are completing, and he's had some terrible luck over the last uh, 10 or 20 runners or so, uh, when they are completing, they're running big races. So, I'd be interested to see who jocks up on that. And if there's less than eight on the day, uh, it might be worth taking the double figures now about what more. But um, some nice horses in there. Highest Sun definitely deserves to be favorite after bumping into the likes of Pim and Champ and then getting it done in that match last time at Plumpton on bad ground because the ground there currently looks set to ride uh, pretty soft so that will suit okay that was the opening race there that we were going to talk about uh, the next one is a, is a bit of a talking point anyway because there's no Altior in it and that's the Unibet Silviano Conti uh, chase the grade two at Kempton um, now it was, was going to be over two two and a half a miles and slightly further and to me when I heard Altior was going to go in this race I was like well the dream is still on this horse is still going to stay up and trip looked like um, they hadn't given up on uh, keeping him staying but then news was emerging that he wasn't going to run and the news was emerging through the betting markets which I never like to see because no. Nicky Henderson has a high profile association with Unibet and um, there seems to be some kind of embargo on him telling you this information because he hasn't written his column yet and that stinks a little bit Demo. It does I mean like the betting markets and everything else is a five billion a year um, industry 
and we're looking here at a horse that has drifted from uh, four to one on out to five to two and the our own press can't tell us why because the trainer in question has signed up to a bookmaker who are releasing all of his news mm-hmm. like i have no problem with these uh, bookmaker sponsored blogs um, i actually really enjoy them i really yeah, really enjoy them because like I, like I enjoy them you know like the paul nichols videos with yeah. betfair like they that's all done well. properly and it's um it's very good preview on races but gordon elliott's still able to ring up the racing post and say this horse is injured mm-hmm. uh can't run uh, yeah. You know, like all that sort of stuff needs to hit the press straight away because you're dealing ethically here. It's not anything else. You're dealing with the the whole image of the sport, the PR of the sport, and you only bet to have Nicky Henderson signed into this deal. Now, stupid of Nicky Henderson as well, but to be signed into a deal where the only way that he can release news now is via them. So what what's happening is is that the markets are moving. Uh, then he's tweeting, and then it's hitting the Unibet. But, Website. It's yeah. just not good enough at See, all. See, the, 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 the layers, um, Unibet included, will hold their hands up afterwards and go, look, we're refunding everyone. But that's not really the point. No, the point is, is missed. It's not really about the monetary value. It's about the fact that, you know, Joe blogs on Twitter is tweeting Altio's not running this weekend and he's no idea only that Betfair suddenly got him at four to one when he was odds on and Top Notch suddenly odds on yeah. for a race when he was four to one. Four to like one, yeah. so yeah. the market tells you so we don't need Unibet to tell us so maybe we should all just cotton on and uh, get on with it and play accordingly but if the bets are all going to be voided anyway we're wasting our time just take the embargo away. But this isn't a black and white decision it's not like people keep saying oh the BHE need to ban Bucky's blogs that's not the problem. No, that's it's missing the problem. Completely missing the problem. The problem is is that um, news coming from a yard should be coming from the yard to our trade paper, which is the Racing Post. That's what should be happening, yeah. or or whoever. Um, it should not be a case where that's happening. Bucky's previews, all that sort of stuff, absolutely fine. But the BHA does need to get involved with this. I do believe that news coming from a yard should not be filtered through a bookmaker. So look, Nicky Henderson could have tweeted, Altio will not run this weekend. Full news in my Unibet blog later on today. Not wait the four hours while he rings up whoever he has to ring up and have the chat and then write a piece. Anyway, Paddy, you can weigh in on this if you want, or you can tell me he's going to win the Unibet Silviniaco Conti uh, chase at Kempton on Saturday. (laughs) Can you hear me, boys? <laughs> yeah, we can hear you, Paddy. I'm sure. I've no doubt you tuned out during that. <laughs> Sorry, it, it, it dropped out just as you were getting getting stuck in about the uni bit thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, you, know, you, you missed. You. <laughs> um, do you think uh, Top Notch will be uh, taking this grade two on Saturday, Paddy? Well, I mean, he was last year's winner, and I just think. In fairness to Top Notch, he's got an excellent record chasing. I mean, he's the highest rated here, and he, he is going to run off levels with Frodon, who he's rated £3 better. And for me, Frodon, I love the old horse, but he's been pretty under underwhelming both times we've seen him this year. Um, the thing about Frodon is the way he, he runs and goes through his races, he did have some hard runs last year, and as genuine... And as honest as, as he is, it looks to me like maybe it's 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 just sort of reflecting in in, in what we're seeing of him this year. So, um, look, obviously with the top horse gone, it's it's top notches to win. He, he's a course and distance winner. For me, the only one there that would stand out, and he is going to be a little bit of a price, is Tom Gretton's horse, uh, Corto Rico. Because the thing about Corto Rico is, if he didn't have T. Gretton next to him, I mean, Tom Gretton's a very capable and trainer and a nice fella. But Cato Rico, if he was trained by a higher profile trainer, this horse would get an awful lot more recognition than what he does because he's a little bit like Candace Obo. He loves flat tracks, loves big fences. 
Um, and like that was a massive run in in the Peterborough at at Huntingdon. So he's going to be a huge price in, but make no bones about it, he's worth his place there um, on Saturday, and he won't be a million miles away. I'm not saying he's going to be top notch because he 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 lacked the class, but he'll definitely pick up a bit of money for connections. Yeah, it looks like we're going to get five, Dam. I mean, are you trying to find a bet in the race? Uh, yeah, I thought that uh, Kato Rico at 13 to 2 was the bet, to be honest with you. I mean, three quarters of a length down last time um, in the Peterborough chase and was on was getting four pounds and gets six pounds this time from Top Notch. Uh, Top Notch, a brilliant horse, kind of is the one to beat. I think Frolan's cried enough for this season. I think he will bounce back. Paul Nichols is very good at getting them back like this. Um, but I think he's just cried enough at the moment. Um, and Cato Rico is really the bet. I mean, whether you go with or without, he, he kind of is the one, you know? Okay. Uh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's a straightforward form case made yeah. for for that horse at a decent price. Um, Paddy, one final thought on this before we do move on. Um, Altio is only going to get one entry at the Cheltenham Festival, according to Nicky Henderson, and that is in the Queen Mother Champion Chase. So it makes that race a little bit more interesting if they can get him back and on point because you've got the likes of Shaquan Porsar, um, Aplu Tard, and Defi Desoy. We could have a four-way go in the Champion Chase, and that's not to diminish anyone else who might enter for it. Yeah, and uh, to be honest, you know, I think the thing about Altior is now because we've had all this, you know, he, he's missed a couple of engagements that he's had and the last time we seen him and he, he was beaten. And let's not forget, you know, Nico got down off him as soon as he crossed the line at Ascot that day and he knew he'd been to the races and he had a hard race. Now, it's probably the hardest he's ever been pushed, Altior. So I think if he does turn up at the festival... Thank God. It looks like people are probably and should get a bit of value about him. Yeah, um, potentially so, yeah. Yeah. You know, obviously, he, there is, he has got a little bit to prove again, albeit, how can you say that about a horse who's been defeated once in 20 races? But uh, off, off the back of what happened at Ascot, it's really going to test this metal now the next time. And there has been a couple of little bumps in the road since, uh, as we know. So, yeah, I mean, it, it could just help people to uh, to get a bit more value about. Yeah, I mean, there's a possibility he turns up somewhere before in a dot around race or he does a race course gallop and the vibes will be good and that price will start coming back for him to, to run a big race there. I just want to see those four go toe to toe because I think that'll be a cracking race. And hopefully yeah. they I mean, get him back. I, w I would agree with you about uh, what you and Dermot are saying about this Unibet stuff. I mean, imagine years ago, you would have never heard, seen this sort of thing going on. Um, you know, and I, I just don't think it sits very well with people. I mean, there'd be certain trainers would not in any in any shape or form entertain that sort of stuff. But and So it is a little bit hard to swallow people. But, you know, obviously, they the, the sponsor the race, their yard sponsor, Nico is sponsored by them. It's just a little bit sort of snug and, and, and it isn't going to sit very well with everybody, is it? Yeah, it's a tricky one to resolve. And as you say, snug is a good word. Um, I think the BHA just need to make it that there's no embargo on... Uh, declaration information like if they yeah. just take that away you can't have an embargo with a trainer and a layer on declaration information then it's all fair game do your previews you know talk about your horses go and visit the stable do videos because that's great content for a racing public um i think if like i said before if nikki had just tweeted first thing that morning do you know what we've decided Altio is not going to run this weekend and it'll all be in my unibet blog later on he serves his sponsor 
and he serves as well um, the best interests of, of racing, I think. It looks like Unibet are running the Twitter page though, as well. Yeah, it does look that. Yeah. Sometimes. I mean, I'm so, sure, I'm so sure he does. Obviously, he's going through channels by the time it gets out. Like, I don't think anyone there is trying to pull the wool over markets or anything else. Exactly. I'm fairly sure it's just going through, like, any decision that we make, even here, Dean, you know, yeah, like, yeah. any decision goes through three or four different people and yeah. it can take a while to come back. That's all that's happening, but it's just sickening that a bookmaker is approving what news mm-hmm. is coming from. And it may be, it may be like even, you know, the market fluctuations and that could be anybody, anybody. associated anybody. with this horse. Anyone who is... William uh, Mullins has no association with yards, but you yeah. can tell at times what and horse is running by the movement. And it's not big money. No. There have been instances before where it's been bigger money and there's been bigger issues to discuss. In this case, it's just a few bets and a market change and it's like, oh, this just looks wrong yeah and that's what we need to get rid of get rid of it looking wrong exactly um and it can be fixed and i, I don't want you know anyone to do anything ridiculous not that they'll do it on my say so don't ban bookmaker blogs and things like that they make a lot of sense for the industry but um snug was a good way to put it i think paddy um let's talk about um the 225 at warwick which is a novice hurdle grade two contest there and uh, dan and harry look like they've lined one up the skeletons with sham blue uh, already jocked up interesting to see noel kelly has a, a runner in there with uh, mcparland booked and he's a jockey rides around fairy house a fair bit um uh, i'm a fan uh, but mossy fan i've got the feeling we might all be rowing on this because we talked about it in nice ways previously yeah he got he got badly snatched up at Sheldon behind Redford Road that day as well as that his his kind of relative lack of experience would have have went against him because that Redford Road is a a real tough battle hardened sort so Massey Massey Fenn's gone from eights now into sixes and kind of that's that's his best price around the place and you just kind of have to look at him and say that I think he's the best horse in this race I mean the favourite's decent and everything else but I think Massey Fenn is potentially that that kind of that real real standout horse here he he gained really proper experience last time at Cheltenham and being snatched up around the bend that time it just did him no good at all he was knocked out of the race really and um, if he gets a clear run here then I think he just takes all the beating yeah I, I'd be I'd be one uh, to, to row with Mossy Fenn interesting Gordon Elliott's lining up a couple in this handicap just to check their marks him I and him and uh, yeah. I was just about to say that Cromwell has two at at Kempton as well right. they're both in with marks 140 be, sh- yeah. be shocked if any of them run yeah. uh, there's a pretend trial that a few of them might run in but well, you, uh, bar you, that they're just looking for their marks now well yeah. Boris is sitting there on 147 so Gordon will be noting that down and yeah. then taking it back out I would imagine um, interesting that they do that Paddy uh, you, you're a fan of Mossy Fenn though yeah I mean I have to admit I was disappointed the last day albeit I'm a, I'm a big fan of the winner as well um, from the Tristan Davis table but yeah for me he'd have to bounce back a little bit um, I think he's all about staying this horse he wants a real test uh, in my opinion but I think this is quite a warm race I mean I thought mm. the, the, Shan, the Shan Blue form that is pretty decent now uh, this Sunny Shan too and even the horse of Ben Pauling's at Doncaster the other day if he turns a one touch that was a really good performance the other day and, and Ben Pauling you know it's great to see that he's he's let the He's let um, his horses sort of compete and take the chance again because he just had to put the anchor on him there for ages. But they seem healthy and they're running pretty well now. And I thought that was a good effort by his chap the other day. One touch, he he's, he would have to step up again. But he could just be one that go, could go under the radar. Um, and obviously, this Irish horse of Noah Kelly's, I mean, the, the, what's the McParland guy's first name? The, no, uh, no, 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 yeah. no. Yeah. I mean, some boy, you know, the way he rides these horses, he just sits up on them there with so much confidence. He is incredible, really, you know, for an amateur. And like the other day at Catrick, you know, the, the horse that he beat, 
there's no back number at all. And, you know, you just, it's a bit deceiving. You don't know how much Horst Noel has got, but he, he made this chap look like he absolutely bolted up. Um, you know, and, and, and it was a real good effort. And it'd be interesting to see if, if he does turn up at the weekend. When I used to frequent Ferry House all the time, I still go a good bit, but I don't get as much time. But when I used to go all the time, whenever he got one at, on one in the in the pink colours, I think for his old man, perhaps a pink suitcase. I remember there. There used to be some gambles going around the course. He's a fine uh, a fine pilot, um, interesting runner in there. There's a good few in there that could turn up with you know solid solid form, and that market's going to take a bit more shape. I wonder if the value's been sucked a little bit out of Mossy Fen's price over, over since these markets have gone up, but still around there, eleven or two, um, six to one is available. I think it's a it's a pretty hot race that for Warwick. Good for to, for them to have a big card on the go. Uh, the Lanzarote is going to take some solving demo. That goes to post at two forty. Uh, Kempton uh, pre Dorhi is the um, well current market leader around four to one. Not Chapari for Ollie Murphy's in there and those JP colours. Uh, interesting to see what we get from that. And as you said, Gavin Cromwell has uh, entered a couple um, around the place at Kempton, including in this race. I wonder if he'll turn up with Alpha Mix, but. Um, what do you make of the race? I find it very hard. Very hard. Um, Alpha Mix was brilliant last time, but I just have an awful feeling that mark of 140 would get that horse into most Cheltenham Festival races. Um, so that would kind of say to me that, like the I think I think this Alpha Mix is very very good. Uh, that performance last time at Navan, um, when beating Top Moon was an absolutely serious performance. I really fancy Top Moon on the day, um, and uh, this horse just kind of flew by him and backed late like like they really fancied him uh, because that top moon is very very smart um, so that horse wherever this horse does end up that um, alpha mix uh, definitely have him on your mind but I just don't think he's, he's going to run uh, Burroughs Edge is the one that I landed on Dean um, Nicky Anderson won this race back in 2018 we probably have to watch Unibet now to see if he is running or not um, but um, run back in 2018 we with William Henry, who obviously went on to win the Coral Cup last season. And that horse had flopped over fences and Nicky Henderson completely rerouted him and brought him here. The exact same thing with Burroughs Edge, who, who was going very well four out and just fell. Um, this horse has got some decent form last season. Absolutely nothing outstanding, but still, in respect to this race, is quite strong. Gets in here off 132, so we'll be running off 10 stone 10. And I think uh, Burroughs Edge should in my opinion, if he does rack up here, uh, could just be a bit too good for, for, for what does look a, a poor enough Lanzarote hurdle. Well, poor and definitely um, tricky to solve, whether it's poor. Poor sure. enough, doesn't matter. Is it yeah. Poor enough. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's no, I can't find a standout horse for me. I'm going to take a fly with a long price one, but Paddy, you're next. Um, yeah, always a tricky one. This is very, very competitive. And, you know, generally these are very, very well-run races. But, you know, I thought Ollie Murphy's horse for JP, Notchapari, he looked to have a, you know, lovely big frame of a horse um, at entry when he won 35 days ago. And to be honest, this is a yard, I don't know whether you would agree, lads, they've not really, for me, got firing on all cylinders um, throughout this season. They've had patches, good patches, um, but they've never really, like, you know, a Fergal O'Brien, someone like that, where they've just been churning winners out all season. They've just mm. not really sort of gotten to that stage for me. But this horse in particular won at a time when the yard were really struggling to have a winner. Um, and that, that I always think, um, is very, very encouraging. That was a good effort at, at entry. I just like the way he went about it. And he's only six-year-old. And obviously, if Nicky declares his horse at the top, he's going to have 10 stone ace. 
Um, he really is low mileage this horse but like I say it, it does worry me that, that the yard have just drifted in and out of, of form this year yeah. but like I say he, he, did, he did win at a time when they really were just struggling to get one's head in front um, the horse that Dermo talked about Alpha Mix I mean for me he just looks like a horse who has really got it together of late especially the last day that was a very very tidy performance Probably in, in a very, very tight race like this, he is going to have his fair share of weight. So it'll be interesting to see if Gavin is going to stick one of the young lads on just to fetch a few pounds off his back because it's such fine margins in a race like this. But for me, I, I'm, I'm going to stick with, with the JP horse here, Nutter Parry. Okay. Um, and interesting, you mentioned Ollie Murphy's form lately hasn't been too uh, bad. Actually, looks like he's having a little one of those purple patches that he sometimes gets. Um, Champagne Super Over was very impressive uh, in a bumper uh, recently on debut and I think that's a horse to take forward hopefully for uh, another big bumper and then maybe a crack at the Cheltenham Festival so he's got some nice horses there uh, maybe he'll have one here to pick up a Lanzarote I was going to throw a big price one into the mix I don't expect anyone to chime in on this because it's a bit wild but Aragon de Chanet for Gary Moore if it um, if it gets jocked up I might be having a few quid on that at 40s um, I think there's enough form in there lights of form beating Townsend and finishing behind Malaya in pretty hot enough contests that uh, would give it a squeak and add a little uh, eye opener here on uh, Boxing Day Stevens's Day at Kempton now uh, well beaten I have to say so uh, yeah if the money comes uh, that will obviously increase my confidence okay interesting run um, interesting race I should say the Unibet Lanzarote that's at Kempton on Saturday the 2.40 and we've got another absolute monster to try and solve in the McCoy contractor civil engineering classic handicap chase the grade three over three mile and five furlongs no less at Warwick a part of their big day uh, this weekend uh, a few interesting runners in here that plenty will know uh, lots about like Sir Lebroy, uh, Boba Mac, Kimberlite, Candy, the conditional uh, you think this is where this is going to turn up Dermot? Yeah I do just by the just by the, the bits of market moves that there's been obviously a very uh, not so liquid market but still there's just just a strength behind him and why wouldn't he after that run last time in this race uh, Rigadine de Beauchamp won this uh, before for uh, Benicia Williams he was just the definition of a big big boat and that is exactly what you're looking for here it's soft ground there at the moment at Warwick this race is going to take some some getting you just uh, you were, you really are better off to stick with a horse who's been there and done it kind of over uh, an extreme trip like this and just for that simple reason the top two in the market do do kind of look the two but Kimberly Candy if he does show up here um, at 6-1 to one, and an amazing performance last time over three miles and two furlongs in that Beecher chase at Aintree jumped really really well was staying on very late just kind of couldn't quite catch walking the mill um, Tom, Tom Lacey's done a wonderful job in getting this horse back to form again and uh, this Kimberly Candy at 6-1 uh, at for me if he does indeed turn up. I think he'll take the world of stopping because those, those extra three furlongs will, will will really help him. Trainer in flying form going places is Tom Lacey and uh, got a nice runner to go to war with. I think me and Paddy are going to end up with the same horse in this race. Now, we haven't discussed it before, but Paddy, um, we were we were big fans of Big River before it ran at Cheltenham in November. Uh, he's jocked up already for Lucinda Russell with Derek Fox on board. It's a double-figure price at 14. He's got brought down at Kelso early December. If that horse is okay, I know he's 10. There's not going to be many more opportunities. Um, I'm hoping that runs a big race. Yeah, I did see he jocked up um, 10-year-old. Now, it hasn't got a bad race weight of 11-1, but you, you just worry the horses get out of the habit of winning. It's been a, a long time since he's had any sort of luck, really, this chap. 
Um, he could certainly do with that, and and I'll be long overdue to be honest. But he has an engine, we know that. But um, you'd like to see just a little bit more before you would start to have him on your side at the minute. So I thought this was very, very competitive, to be honest. I've, I've really liked this horse of David Bridgewaters. I think he, he was a very, very shrewd purchase by him, uh, the conditional, and all three appearances this year, he's just done nothing but improve. And, you know, he, he certainly, um, although they have managed to land a big pot with him already, you know, it's by no means out of the question that he could pop up and get another one. Kimberly Candy, like Dharma mentioned, that was a real good run the last day. He bounced right back to form this horse. Uh, and I thought on the day, got a real good ride off Richie McLernan. So um, the other one I wanted to mention was, although he's going to have plenty of weight, for me, although he's eight-year-old, he hasn't really, I wouldn't say he's exposed over fences, is Hobbsy's horse, Stevie Edition, up the top. Um, I had a bit to do with this horse when he, in his pointing days, was a friend of mine, had him, and he, he won a point first time. Always, He's always been a little bit quirky, but he's always had plenty of ability. Jumping fences was a little bit of a, um, a worry for him early doors, but his jumping is much better now. And although 11-11, I'm hoping Michal Nolan rides him because Michal knows him very, very well because he is, like I say, he is a bit quirky. So maybe you could get a bit of value simply because, you know, Dickie won't be on him and he has got plenty of weight. Uh, Stevie Edition, a bit closer up to the top there. Yeah, I mean, it currently is around 8, 9 to 1 and there's there's literally eight horses between that price and fives. Um, so that shows you the nature of the race that we're trying to to work out here. So a shout there for Steely Edition. Potentially interesting if Michal Nolan does get the, the leg up. Kimberlite Candy, um, interesting for Dermo. And I'm going to side with Big River. P- perhaps that unless you lads nap in that race, that might be mine uh, this weekend. Uh, one more race that we want to talk about before we do move on. And we are going to take that anti-post look at the Cheltenham Gold Cup market. Um, it's the Unibet New Uniboost Handicap Chase 315 at Kempton. Uh, Dermo, I may as well come to you first because a horse that you kind of uh, picked up on earlier on in uh, this season and, and previously because it's been well thought of as Nicky Henderson's on the blind side. Yeah, it was just he was he was kind of uh, kicked out of the way last time. I know by a good horse and in Finger in the Pulse, but uh, sorry, Riders in the Storm even. Yeah. Finger I mean, in the that Pulse could, was the next, uh, <laughs> next Galway play winner. That could, uh, be, that could be some form though. It could, but just... To me, he looks like a horse that that's kind of he's he, he's a bit sick of it. Um, I'm not sure how much love of the game that this horse actually retains. He was staying on and on and on again. Um, it's a race team, to be honest with you, that I've just completely shirked for the time being, and I just didn't want to land on one. But as far as on the blind side goes, um, I've backed him twice this season, and I said that'll be it. You know, Jenkins is in there at forty to one. If you want to roll back the years as far as you can remember, yeah, but you're but you're rolling back the years to what exactly? <laughs> Charlie Longston now in charge of getting that absolute nutcase to uh, deliver on the track. Only eight Jenkins. Uh, it might go off in front. I just wonder how long it might stay there. Uh, looks it looks an interesting race, Paddy. Yeah, it is. Um, you can't really say that any of these in the lineup are arriving into this contest in red hot form to be honest so it's probably going to boil down to whose really turn whose turn it is on the day Neil Holland's horse down the bottom he's got a lovely racing weight but he's been frustrating finger on the switch um, he will stay this trip uh, stuff like that no worries there but I mean on the blind side although he is going to have plenty of weight he's a course and distance winner and probably on the face of it that run last time although comfortably held um by seven lengths you know Riders on the Storm is a horse who's come over to Ireland and looks very reasonably handicapped so I mean that form alone is pretty decent um, and the last time he did actually win 
this chap. It was round Kempton and it was in January last year. So off a mark of 149. So really, he probably ticks a lot more boxes here than than uh, the bulk of his rivals, if I'm honest. Yeah, he's my selection there too. And I think it does boil down to, you know, it seems uh, connections. I think it's the Spencers and, and Nicky Henderson uh, just going to keep going to the Wellwood on the blind side and get as much racing in because jumping just looked a little bit sticky first time up um, behind Vindication, wasn't it? And then pulled up in the Hennessy, a really big run behind Riders on the Storm. I that could end up being almost grade one form. Um, so I'm going to side with on the blind side. I think the four to one is probably where I would end up. Now we're going to take a quick break here. And uh, what we'll do is we'll come back after that and we'll talk about the Cheltenham uh, anti-post market for the Gold Cup. Don't delay. Head over to bookmakers.co.uk today. And welcome back to the third and final part of the Race Hour podcast brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. Dermot Nolan, Paddy Aspo and myself, uh, Dean Ryan in the towers of bookmakers.co.uk. Quick look now at the anti-post market uh, for the Gold Cup, which has taken a bit of a shake-up over Christmas. Album Photo came out, won exactly the same race he did last year at Tremor. I saw a great tweet, actually. It's not often you see uh, the Gold Cup favourite prep at Tremor, uh, actually only 12 months ago. Yeah, but that doesn't, that doesn't matter. Album Photo is uh, heading the market. Some places are short as seven to two uh, for the Gold Cup. And that's because some lines were kind of missed. Um, uh, some some performances weren't delivered from the ones around them. Clandazobra is a big market mover into eight to one. Uh, Kenboy around seven to one best price. And I thought it was a wholly adequate run uh, in the Savills. And actually a good few behind in that Savills chase will be thinking they haven't left anything behind, which is good. And they can they can definitely improve. Uh, Lost in Translation, one of the biggest negative movers of the uh, of the Christmas period after his run, uh, which, you know, needs some explaining. They're going to have to go back to the drawing board and see what they can do with that one. Santini, of course, we haven't seen Dermo. So steady Eddie uh, around 10s. Uh, Delta Worker mover upwards around 10 to 1. And then my horse that I think is still value right now because of another eye-catching run in that Savills is presenting Percy. After that, you're probably finding horses I can't make cases for, uh, likes of uh, previous winner Native River, uh, Mona Lee, who we all worry about the trip, and then anything else that might step into this. Derm, I'll let you have first crack. Uh, yeah, so like, so Kemba, you can explain it like simply as without the prep run, um, he just wasn't as good. It was the same thing last season, really, and everything else as well. He he kind of tends to, to need his prep run, uh, which is completely understandable really um but you know there's still just that for me i'm not sure how much uh cheldon actually suits him uh which is the biggest concern album photo obviously um i loved him last season was was on him for a long long time and um, he's probably short enough now uh better horses than him haven't been able to retain a gold cup so it's the the question mark is still there but he looked none the worse for at at tremor and if the market, if everyone else around him keeps keeps kind of falling apart like they are, he probably will end up the bet on the day. Um, but the more that you rattle through this market, I mean, everyone seems to be quite excited about presenting Percy. I really haven't. I don't think he looks the same horse that he was. Uh, I think that RSA was his peak, and I think afterwards they've they've kind of messed around with him so much now that I don't. I think he might have fallen out of the habit with of kind of winning as well. Um, he could well be a genius move and he he could bounce back in the day but there's absolutely no way that I'd be backing him a 12-1 to 1 for a gold cup and the more you look at the top of the market like I don't like Kemby, um for a gold cup I definitely don't like Clandes Oboe for a gold cup he's, he's Silvino Conti uh, point two. I don't like Lost in Translation for a gold cup which I've already said uh, Delta work is jumping just he makes mistakes at the worst time 
he could well win it but you wouldn't want to be relying on him Native River's too old uh, Monley won't stay so the the ones that I'm looking at obviously is Santini who I've been talking about perpetually now for a long long time he's a super super horse um, this test of a Gold Cup is built exactly for him he's going to run in the Presbury, uh, the Presbury Cup first of all and then go to the Gold Cup um, the less runs going into a Gold Cup as has been proven the last few years is mm. the better so he's had lovely prep for this uh, last time wouldn't be worried about him he's a big dope that takes a long time to get fit but a Gold Cup if you watch the RSA run in which he had a terrible prep run he nearly didn't run in that race because he'd missed a week of work and the run in that RSA was outstanding he just kind of the way it tactically worked out for him suited the winner and didn't suit him in my opinion uh, he's only going to improve for that he's a big lump of a horse who's not as slow as people make out that Santini is he's not this big boat either he was a horse that was good enough to win over two miles five over hurdles beating black up who's not a slow horse um, and Santini was good enough to do that this is a horse who this test is perfect for him he'll be able to lie up with the pace and kick late and he'll stay all day I think Santini at 10 to 1 is a whopping bet for this and he's been he's kind of is the forgotten horse in the market and the other horse Dean at, at wild big odds it's just because he was placed last year I can see him being placed again he's 50 to 1 in places with Betfair etc and Bristol to my is far too big as an each way bet mm-hmm. at 50 to 1 so Santini at 10 to 1 is my idea for the winner of this race but Bristol the Mai for what he's achieved the fact that, that the Gold Cup is his main target this season I think there's no reason that that horse should be 50 to 1 okay okay I, I know you love Santini we all know you love Santini but you, you just said in your loving that he has had a brilliant prep. You hope he's going to have a brilliant prep. Sorry, yeah, sorry. <laughs> like, that first run was not was bad. It was bad, but it was, as I said, it's easily explained. He's a horse that takes a while to get yeah. fit. I mean, yeah. his, his first few runs of every season aren't outstanding. He's a big, a big oaf that kind of does take a while to get going. And the, the main takeaway for me with Santini is if he does go to that Presby Cup, Cheltenham and wins, he could be favourite for this race. Yes. He could be favourite for this exactly. race. And that's what you want yeah. when you're looking at an anti-post bet now. Is this the target? Is is he going to have a prep race that could completely change his price? He will. Yeah. And providing all well, uh, he's, he's going to turn up there. It's the way Nico talks about him as well. Nico really yeah, lights up when he talks him. about Santini. He just yeah. really lights up. Yeah. yeah. Um, Paddy, uh, going to start you off with uh, that Savills race, which... Um, Delta at one, Monolee was second. I thought in behind the likes of well, connection, the new connections, I should say, of Kenboy will be very happy with what they saw. And I thought Davy Russell, and this is the bit I wanted to pick you up on. I thought he was very quiet on presenting Percy. He put him in the race, and when it kind of happened in front of him, I don't think he he went gun, you know, hell out to win that race. I thought he got the perfect, perfect prep there. I don't know if we'll see him again, but if he was A1 and you remember what we saw in the RSA, uh, Paddy, I'd like to know what you think about presenting Percy for this year. Yeah, he's um, I suppose he's a hard horse to weigh up, isn't he? Because you know that was a massive run um, the time before, and obviously over that trip the other day, they did ride him quiet. But look, I think it's just it's more of a Pat Kelly thing, isn't it? They really like to keep keep their business their own, um, shorter hand as little and as late as possible, but. I don't know. I just thought he bombed out so badly in the Gold Cup last year presenting Percy. And yeah. I just thought it was a similar sort of thing with this chap as well. There was whispers beforehand. We weren't really sure. Um, he did turn up on the day and, you know, he he, he never um, 
he, he ran no sort of a race. So it's difficult. I, I think the thing is, connections being as they are, everybody's always going to be guessing. Um, and therefore, you probably want a bit. I mean, there, there's bits of 12 to 1 still going about for him, but that's the sort of price you'd want for him because there is there is risk attached. Yeah. Um, but I didn't think he ran badly at all, but it was just. Uh, I, I would agree, Dino. It was, it, it was um, as usual, a little bit strange riding and hard to what sort of angle to come in at it from. Um, but yeah, Ken Boy, I thought that was reasonable. He was a little bit keen and gassy. He looked like he was going to drop away for a while, but he's actually finished off and, and, and ran quite nicely in the end. I'd say connections were, were reasonably happy, to be fair. Um, and he, he's pretty solid in the market as well. And I mean, I suppose the, there was question marks about the prep for album photo, wasn't it? I mean, your Gold Cup winner having having his prep at Tremor and then going straight to the festival. But, you know, trainers are creatures of habit, aren't they? And, you know, if something works, um, you know, generally they, they do try and repeat it. And yeah. so that's what they've done again this time. And I mean, that performance in the Gold Cup last year was an absolute career best uh, by album photo. And he was very, very good. So he deserves to be at the head of the market. But... I mean, look, loss in translation, you've got to completely uh, put a line through the King George effort and hope that that the, said they were going to tidy his wind up um, and that that works. But he did bomb out very badly, and, and I was so disappointed with the way he fenced. He looked he looked really, really out of sorts the other day. Um, the other horse, obviously, I can't desert uh, Colin's other horse, Native River, but I don't even want them to mention a set of blinkers around this horse when they're nearest stable. I don't even want to talk about blinkers. <laughs> you know, even if they were to run him the next time before Cheltenham, I'd be happy if they didn't even run him in a blinker because they've used them the first time. And because Mike Bite crashed out early doors, it was like they'd wasted a bullet really yeah. having, having the blinker on because I do think a horse of his years, although he's been absolutely crying out for them, I want them on his head for as little time as possible to have as much effect as what you want but you know i think if the blinkers have the effect again what i think they'll have i think although he is a year older now he is definitely one of the the ones is more exposed but i really do think the blinkers are a massive addition to this horse because he he hasn't gotten older without getting wiser in a river um and for me, at round, I mean, there's still 20s about for Native River, and sort of should be. But I, I do think if the boys um, are as limited as possible as they can with the blinker and just try and save them for the big day in March, I think he, he'll, he'll still have a big shout, this horse. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. If you had a bet, have a bet today, that would be the one you'd go for. Then blinkers hopefully emitted next time they run because they're bound to run once more, aren't they? Exactly, yeah. Even, you know, the next day, if they wanted to go back to their, their, their old cheap pieces and then um, just to save, you know, because that's a massive bullet that you could use on the day uh, for a Gold Cup, especially for a horse like him because, like I said, he's a clever old lad and a, a set of blinkers in a, in a big race of that could be, it could be a real, real massive addition. Okay. Are we missing um, maybe giving Kim Bailey's horse a mention of Vindication who came in one like a good handicap block? Should, um, if they're all okay with Vindication, is he going to be okay? To, there wasn't any news, Demo, was he, about him being missing? No, no, no. Since... The, only, okay. the only news you need to know about him really is that he's just not good enough to win the World Cup, <laughs> ah, isn't it? Thank you. <laughs> uh, but, you know, they, I'm just trying to find something down the list that might run one more time and, uh, and put his name on there. I wonder yeah. if that will run against Santini. I think that 
would be the race where they should go with the likes of indication um, so if you wanted to pick an absolute fly up at 33s or 40s uh, there's one there um, okay Dermo, if you had to have a bet right now, I don't need to ask you. Do I have Santini? Santini and an each way on Bristol Lemay. Yeah, okay. Um, I'm just going to stick with presenter Percy, who I think looks like is going to come to the boil again on the day. And I'd rather be on at 12s than 6 to 4 when everyone's on. Yeah, that's um, fair. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we'll find out. And uh, I, I completely get the native river angle. This race, when you look back at previous Gold Cups and you just look at the results now, forget what you thought at the time, and you see the result where you've got um, Manila Rocco, you've got Annabelle Fly, you've got horses like that, Bristol Demai pitch up, and they're just absolute rock solid horses, and they do exactly what they do. There's going to be one of those in this year's uh, Cheltenham Gold Cup that is second or third at 33 at one. Yeah. You'll all go, well, that was obvious. I thought it was a Grand National horse. Bristol Demai last year, so exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So um, there's there's no harm in finding those. Um, hopefully, we've helped you out a little bit if you are getting involved with the Cheltenham Manly Post uh, market for the Gold Cup. Now, thanks very much, Dermot Nolan, uh, Paddy Aspel. Um, and Alex on production. This is the Race Hour podcast brought to you with bookmakers.co.uk. Uh, we'll be back next week and uh, happy new year to everyone listening in. Thanks very much. You've been listening to the Race Hour brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk. Your best bet for tips, news and bookmaker reviews.